here I am. I, I have a green card. I'm not a citizen here. And I'm from Barbados, so I am not in any way, shape, or form. Are you not, You're a, not citizen? a citizen? Did I know this? We've talked about this before, for the love no, of God. No, apparently we haven't, Ogan, because yeah. neither of us knew it. I just oh. want to say, what kind of vetting have we been doing on this show? <laughs> I know. Where's HR? <laughs> Where's Homeland Security? That, that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 43 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint or maybe a fine wine. You can watch us live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com, and you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, and you can even now catch us on the New Thought channel. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors. Craft Bear Cellar is the home of premium craft brews. Their primary focus is amazing beer. Visit Craft Beer Cellar for a location near you, and you can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar. That's C-E-L-L-A-R by joining our conversation. You can comment anytime, Twitter, Facebook, use the hashtag PTLive, or call in and leave a voicemail. We haven't gotten any voicemails yet. I'm not going to take it personally. I know it's a new thing. But, you know, even if you don't have a question, call in and let us know. Hey, what a great job you guys are doing. We love the podcast. Happy New Year. Happy Valentine's Day. Anything like that. The number to call is... Yes, I am back in all my glory. The number to call is 980-PT-LIVE-0. Or for those of us without letters on our phone, that's 980-785-4830. Leave me a voicemail. (laughs) And our newest sponsor is Wink Wine Club. That's spelled W-I-N-C. Wink features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. Get started at trywink.com slash PT Live for $20 off your first order and other savings. And it's very important to have the PT Live there because then they know we sent you. Wait, did I did I give the website for Craft Beer Seller? I don't remember. Craftbeerseller.com. Or a location near you. It's been three weeks. I'm a little rusty. Mm-hmm. Get it in. Get it. Gotta love those sponsors. Or as Brian said, a whole month. We're going to talk about those alternative facts. <laughs> hey, hey. Absolutely. Well, tonight we discuss the gospel according to Lady Gaga. Is her message of celebration, inclusion, and self-acceptance, is that good news? We'll hit on her halftime appearance at the Super Bowl, of course, and we'll discuss the concept of true religion and what role certainty plays in that so we've got uh, some good stuff to uh, catch up on and discuss tonight my name is brian burkoff i am the pastor of holland ucc and author of the book pub theology tonight i am drinking a revolution harbor amber ale feels uh, like a new england brew which might be you know timely since we have the new world champion oh, I, thought, I thought because i lived up here yes because back with us tonight Ogan Holder, welcome back, Ogan. Thank you, thank you very much. I am uh, all rested and tanned. Ha ha ha. Um, I am Reverend Ogan Holder, uh, Senior Minister of Unity on the River up here in Amesbury, Massachusetts. And 
tonight. Uh, oh, author, author of Rants the Revelations. The I forget what the tagline for my book is. It's been a while. Look it up. Say, we just say New York Times bestseller. That's what we say. Uh, <laughs> we all have a dream, my friend. We all have a dream. Um, tonight, I'm I'm drinking um, one of the wines from our sponsor, Wink. This is called the Wonderful uh, Wine Company. It's just a red blend, but it is delish. And well, I got to tell you guys a quick story. So they delivered my wine while I was in Barbados, or they tried to, and it's FedEx, so you got to sign for it. Mm-hmm. And we wasn't I wasn't here to sign for it, so now it's at a FedEx shipment center, and I have to go for it and. You know, you come back from work and it's catch up time, busy days. I didn't get the chance Friday, didn't get the chance yesterday. I was going to go today. And then we had like sleet, snow, messed up roads. I haven't gone for it yet. And this is about the last bottle I have. Oh my You're God. running on fumes. Running, go out on tomorrow. Fumes. running on fumes. So tomorrow, oh, man, it's trip is is trip. But um, but Pace been yourself. Loving, been loving the wink stuff. Check it out. Well, it's it's great to have you back, Ogan. We're we're uh, delighted to have you back. And I I just want to bring in as well as usual, Tina Simmons. Welcome, Tina. Hello, um, Tina Simmons, layperson on the show, and uh, author of Zandrael, Being Human Is Overrated. Now available in paperback and ebook on Amazon. And Ooh. tonight, I nice. also I also am drinking a bottle of Wink wine. It's called Los Bobos. Ooh. And it's a very cute little label going on there. Um, not my favorite one that they've sent, but um, still drinkable. So, still oh, what kind is it? They do, you know, they it's they a do French a, wine. They do a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me. They do a lot of blends. Some of the blends are, are hit or misses. This is wonderful. Is is a hit? I'll give you. Um, I'll definitely be reordering uh, this one. But um, you, usually, the non-blend varieties that they send me are hits all the time. And I am. Yeah, I like their blends. They, it's a French wine, and I'm. I think like I've gotten so used to California wines, and they're just a little mm. more full-bodied. But mm. you American elitist, no doubt, no doubt. So uh, Ogan is back. There's some discrepancy about how long he was actually gone. It felt <laughs> like a month. I think so. Here's the thing: it just felt like a month, which means we really missed you. Yeah, that's that's a good save. Brian, <laughs> no, in Brian's defense, in Brian's defense, you missed three shows. So to us, we didn't talk to you for like four weeks. Mm. I talked to you, but yeah. So, so I was in Barbados. So let's clear this up. I was in Barbados from uh, January 15th and I returned on February 1st. So if I do the math, which I'm not good at, that's what, 16 days? Okay, so I was in Barbados for 16 days, sending me a message or, or posting that, you know, Ogun's back after a month on vacation is kind of a little bit of, you know, stretching things out. Oh, yes, I missed, I, I missed three shows. That's just how the timing felt. But to then say was on vacation for a month. No, no. Well, I want to know why you're getting all defensive about this. I know. Because I, I don't, I do not dwell in the land of alternative facts. <laughs> I, I will. I will I say we it. all dwell in that land right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, so true. And I did tweak it to say after his hiatus, so I, I removed a month. So. Uh, there, there you go. That's better, better, much better. Much yes, I'm better. crying now. That is that is much more open to misinterpretation because <laughs> <laughs> a hiatus could be two months. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so what are we talking about tonight? All right. So uh, I'm assuming, given our conversation already, that we caught some or all of Sunday night's Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Falcons. Um, did you have a favorite part? And I'll list your options. Was your favorite part A, the Patriots' comeback victory, B, the Falcons' early dominance, which they looked unstoppable? Was it C, the commercials? Was it D, the halftime show featuring Lady Gaga? E, are you most happy about no more football for seven months? Or F, you prefer a superb owl? Uh, do I only have to pick one? Can I pick a couple of them? <laughs> Go ahead. D, E, and F. <laughs> <laughs> so all the non-footballs. <laughs> all the non-football things. Now, so here's the interesting thing. I have this, like, uh, totally irrational obsession with rooting for the underdog. So I I um, go to – I'm here in Massachusetts. I go to a Super Bowl party, and I am the only one in this house – of about i don't know between between the kids and the adults maybe 20 25 people there i don't know and i am the only one wearing red for the falcons i'm the only one rooting for the falcons and i am deep in new england patriot territory it was it was quite the experience please tell me you didn't rub it in for three quarters <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that would have just been terrible so, I miss I missed the first half of the game because uh, it was it was a long Sunday. Um, I napped and then I woke up and went to the house. Went to the wrong house because the house was at <laughs> at a friend up here who I actually and here's the scary part. I used to I used to uh, live with this guy uh, when I first got the job and I was commuting back and forth. He let me live uh, at a room in his house for a few months and then he moved not too long ago i told i was so in nap haze that i totally forgot he had moved so i got in my car got an automatic pilot and drove to the old house so you can imagine i'm driving i get to the old house and i pull up into the driveway and i go there's not a lot of cars here for this party what's going on and not a lot of lights on and i knock on the door and some dude who i don't recognize but he's wearing a patriots jersey so i figure I might be in the right place, and sure, I don't recognize him because other people have already. So I because knocked... nobody in New England at this because... time is going to be wearing a Patriots jersey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anywhere, any street you're on, <laughs> you will find a guy wearing a Patriots That's jersey. <laughs> so I knock on the door and I open and it's like, is this Ed's football party? He goes, this is not even Ed's house. I'm like, who? What? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he moved. So now, I, you know, I don't know where I'm going, so I'm texting and you know, I get the address, and by the time I get there, it's like the last two minutes of like you know the first half, and the Falcons are up. So I walk in the house and I see the score, and I'm like, "Go Falcons!" And everybody just <laughs> shoots me daggers. Yeah, daggers, <laughs> daggers. So you had a first half that was a lot like the Patriots. You know, didn't know where you were going. Nope, showing not, up late. Not a clue. Lost, confused, out of character. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you came back. Just like the but, Patriots. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. Found the place. Uh, got there in time for the for Lady Gaga's performance, which was, I think, ranking up there with one of the best Super Bowl performances of all time. I thought it was awesome. Um, and then, yeah, the you know, I was there for the big comeback, and and they were very gracious to me at the end after the Patriots lost. I think I think um, there's a part of me that that likes to. Likes because I can I can handle being the one that people dump on. So I, I I think I 
have some need to play that role. But yeah, it's my thing. I always I always root for the underdog. It doesn't even matter if the other team is a team I prefer. I just I just do it. I don't know what what it is in me. Wow, I'm, I'm kind of like that too. So it's just such a good guy, you know. Looking out for the underdog. That, that makes me good. It don't make any sense. <laughs> All right, so uh, Tina, favorite part of the evening's festivities? Well, I would definitely prefer prefer a su- superb owl over any of it, because um, <laughs> yes. that would be super fun. But um, I loved Lady Gaga's performance. Um, I loved the music she played. Uh, her new, new and old, and um, kind of some of the messages in there, you know. Um, yeah. I've always loved her I Was Born This Way song. Um, but I did love some of the commercials, too, like uh, what was the one? A Coke. I was impressed with Coke's commercial in the beginning. Um, there were some funny ones. I, You know, I, I saw a lot of people bashing on the Mr. Clean one. I thought it was funny. But um, <laughs> I thought Audi had a really nice commercial with the, the guy and his daughter. So love the Audi, I, love the I Audi to- commercial. That made me weep a little bit. Yeah, I totally missed the uh, the lumber commercial during the show, but then I did catch the full video, and yeah, I I teared up. That was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, nice. What about you, Brian? Well, being the sports fan that I am, uh, I I was the only person at the Super Bowl party I went to that was watching football. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else is just you know eating food and drinking some wine and having some beer and and I was watching the game uh, and and I tend to root for the Patriots uh, not because I have any connection to New England but because I'm a Tom Brady fan uh, since he went to the same university I did and they were doing bad and we left when it was 28 to 3 and I kind of thought I probably won't turn it back on and they're doing terrible but I put it back on the radio just before we got home and they were hanging around and then there was a fumble and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just kind of see, but it really can't happen, you know, but they pulled it off. So I would say the biggest comeback in a Super Bowl game I thought was cool. And that's probably my favorite part, but I also appreciated Lady Gaga. She had a, you know, a great performance. Uh, and, uh, it, it was interesting reading some of the, um, evaluations afterward i think a number of folks said oh she didn't get political at all and others said actually she did and she was kind of giving her messages and she was doing it you know uh right in the presence of uh you know former president and first lady who did the coin toss and our current vice president so i i think i think her her subtle but clear message was a nice balance to the ads some of the ads that were like overtly mm. and obviously, yeah. you know, in, in, for, I, I don't know, I guess opposition to some of these, uh, you know, executive orders that were coming out. I love the Anheuser-Busch commercial. Yes. Yeah. That, yes. that was awesome. Uh, again, the 84 lumber you mentioned. Um, and, and I love that some of these companies, corp, some of these, some, some of these corporate America is, is is using this um, this vehicle to say you know we we want to be a stand for justice we want to be a stand for equality we want to be a stand for opening our our doors um, to to folks from other countries um, I honestly was pleasantly surprised I didn't I didn't think they would they would have the guts to do it in for such, yeah. such a large venue and audience. Okay, let's go there though, um, because 
you know, I have a lot of respect for the companies for doing that. But if the shoe were on the other foot and they were using their ads to go against it, would we be saying the same thing that, hey, it's great that they're using their company as a political platform? To go against it? Or you mean against what? Well, like I, I think about like um, that that girl who her her job was to sign marriage certificates and she refused it. Like, like just in getting your political beliefs involved in your company. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I don't, I don't think this is a, what we experience in now. And you know, with the people protesting and these executive orders, the resistance hashtag resistance. I don't think this is a political thing. I think this is more of a humanitarian and inclusive resistance. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, got a political edge when we're talking about a new administration that's well, of uh, kind of in your face. times, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. so, so let's look at the word politics. And I talked about this at my service on Sunday. Check it out. YouTube channel, Unity on the River, shameless plug. But I talked about this. Oh. What, what does politics mean? Politics is about how we govern, about how we agree to be in relationship with each other in our society. Absolutely. You know, so if we have a governance that's saying, you know, we want to uh, uh, give preferential treatment to one group of people, exclude another group of people, whatever. And um, and I think for the most part, we've evolved to a place where we're saying, no, this is not who we are. Then it's not so much a political thing as it is a humanitarian thing, because we've had past presidents we've all disagreed with. We've all disagreed with some of the things Obama have done. We, we've disagreed with some of the things, you know, Bush has done and Clinton and Bush. Sure. I mean, there's always these things, but but none of these past presidents have done or 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 share these executive orders or try to create laws that so blatantly excludes other people or gives preferential treatment to one certain group. So, you know, that's that's kind of that's that's where I am with that. And I'm really glad that there are some companies, mm-hmm. again, like we saw in the Super Bowl, who are willing to say, you know what? No, we're, we're, we're not OK with this, even though they may benefit from it. Yes. And so here's what I was going to say. Uh, and this uh, came up at our local pub theology last night. And I have to give a shout out to uh, Tim Van Heitz, my former guest on the show here, who said that. In advertising, activism is the new sexy. Like activism sells uh, in a way, in the way that you know, sex used to sell. That mm-hmm. people like something with a message around a political thing, or a, as you said, a hum- humanitarian appeal. And so, I think we definitely saw that. I mean, that lumber company's website crashed because it was so many people were like, "Oh, I got to see, you know, I got to see this ad or see the part that they didn't play um, during the show." So hang on, are you are you trying to say that they were taking advantage of the current cultural climate to promote their bottom line that they may not necessarily mean these things? Is that what you're trying to imply? Well, I will say when it came to the lumber ad, I had the same response you did, kind of uh, teared up a little oh. and very emotional. And, um, you know, it just drew on the heartstrings seeing this, I believe it was a mom and her daughter who were trying to, you know, um, make their way uh, across Mexico and into the States. Uh, but some of the things I read that came from the company said, 
they were quoting uh, President Trump himself, who, when he was campaigning, said, we'll build a wall, but it'll have a big, beautiful door. And they said, <laughs> we agree with President Trump that we should have a wall. With and a that door. we think, we, with the door. And they said, we are opposed to anyone coming here illegally. We only want people to come in mm -hmm. through the right process and coming here legally. And that's actually what the door was symbolizing. And so... I think they got a lot of people super excited, like, yeah, we're against the wall. And they were actually saying, actually, we're kind of for the wall, but we want to have a wall that has a heart or something. So you, you bring them. Go ahead, Tina. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, that that's what advertising is. Um, you know, people don't buy things logically. You know, for the most part, we're emotional creatures and we buy things on heart and impulse. So any ad that pulls at your heartstrings, they know damn well what they're doing. Those marketing companies know what they're doing. They're usually mm -hmm. using the present political climate, the society, you know, what we care about right now, and they're using that to their advantage. It doesn't make it wrong 30, or right. It's just already, how it is. I already bought 32 by fours and started building a shed with their material before I had the full story. So it, <laughs> it works. Nothing and that video, that video is going out everywhere, and you can interpret it any way you want. Just like you said, sure. you can, you can. But here, here, I, I agree with you, Tina, and and for me, it's always interesting to see and 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 to really check the research about how many people suddenly start buying products from a certain company because of their ads. Like, I'm not gonna go suddenly start buying a whole lot of lumber from this company, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you're not gonna forget them either. No, I'm not. Well, yes, I am. I'm going to forget them in about a month because I forget things generally. <laughs> I'll be like, remember that commercial with the wall and the door? Who was that again? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably what's going to happen. But but it's so interesting uh, we how things, how we react to things. And in, in a lot of cases, you know, we we react irrationally. Like we had the whole delete Uber thing going on, you yes. know. And and it was and which which is fascinating because everybody's like delete Uber delete Uber I'm only using Lyft because I don't want to be with anyone who even looks like they're trying to take advantage of the situation and and inherently support Trump and I'm like but do you know that like the major stakeholders in Lyft are like Trump supporters so giving them more business doing that know. you know so it's like it's like do the research and even here so like we have these rabid New England Patriot fans here where I live. Who for the most part are or rapidly anti-Trump, but at the same time, it's like you know, the Patriots owner, coach, and star quarterback are Trump supporters. So at what point oh. do we draw? Oh, you didn't know that, Brian. Oh, I knew it. I, I, I just didn't want to say much. <laughs> Calling you out, man. So at what but but at what point, and, and here's the question I have, at what point do we draw that line with you know, I will or will not support a company, a team, a person, or whoever, based on affiliation, it's, it's a really, it's a really tricky, complex kind of thing. It's it is. You're living in a. I mean, it's capitalism. It, yeah. it, it's our yes. country. It's the basis of our country. It is marketing. It doesn't have to be true. It just has to be said. I mean, it, did you guys see that people are like, like saying they're gonna ban Anheuser Busch? And um, there was a meme going around that Coors Light was talking, or Coors was talking to Miller, and they're like, "Should we, should we keep it quiet that we're from German immigrants too?" <laughs> well, listen, um, I don't mind banning Anheuser Busch. Honestly, not great beer. 
not a great loss. Oh, I'm not going to ban it. But I didn't yeah. drink it in the first place. <laughs> exactly. And and let's be clear, it's not an American company anymore. Like there's, I mean, great point. It didn't start American, and it's not ending American. So uh, you know, it, it it doesn't. It's all a wash by the time you're done. But it's but just people get emotional. They get we 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 do and. Um, and you know the question is how do we how do we respond? Do we respond from the emotion? Do we do we temper our response? Because yes, people really got emotional, which I think sometimes good. They're out marching, they're out protesting, you know, they're out resisting, they're out saying, you know, we, we're not support of the Muslim ban slash not ban hashtag no ban no wall. You know, like all of this is going on. And and that's good so that the message is being sent that, you know, so many people are not in support of all this. And at the same time, sometimes our our emotional reactions are are too emotional and not logical enough or, you know, not not set in the right place. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And a I think here instead of a place of love, because you can be emotional and come from a place of love. <laughs> yes, exactly. True enough, and it is it is interesting to try to navigate the the place that the bottom line plays in all of this and our our capitalistic society, as Tina noted, because you know I saw several people post, you know I'm not a soda drinker, but man, I'm going to buy a 12 pack of Coke next time I'm at the store, you know, <laughs> after seeing the ad. That's and they not know, changing me. That's crazy. And they know, right? And they know the company that is the exa ad executives. They know right now. I mean, that ad they made three years ago, and I remember when it came out three years ago, but it was like cool ad. But right now it feels so much more poignant because of the climate uh, and what's going on. Hey, we're going to cash in on this. So yes, it's a good message, but we're also going to take it to the bank. So get a list next year of all the um, companies that are going to be having Super Bowl ads and buy stock in them before the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, and no, then sell a couple no, weeks later. No, because... It depends on how the ad goes. Remember, was it last year when they had that? Was it the insurance company? Was it Geico? I don't remember when insurance company with the kid who died. Oh, oh nationwide, wasn't it? it was nationwide. Terrible. Oh my god, so bad. <laughs> oh, everybody's like, "What just happened? <laughs> Cancel my account." So that didn't go so well. <laughs> <sighs> oh my goodness. So there was there was an article in the Washington Post entitled The Gospel According to Lady Gaga, and it said, in an American context where the media equates religion with social conservatism, Lady Gaga represents a welcome non-fundamentalist Christianity. She's the closest pop version to her fellow Catholic Pope Francis, and she champions Christian values not of exclusion and discrimination, but of empowerment, grace, and self-acceptance. So wondering how that strikes you guys, and is that, you know, the word uh, gospel means good news. So is, is her message and approach, is that good news? And uh, what do you think? Good news for who? Yes. Um, I, I, uh, uh, I, good news for all who listen. Good news for all those who she speaks about. What, what does she call her, her fans, the little monsters or something? I forget. It's been a while. Um, yes. But, but. Um, her song, especially that that that, uh, that we made reference to or about to the the born this way, um, and and she has her, her songs tend to have, and I don't listen to a lot of pop music because I think 
pop music is rather like you know formulaic and generally kind of all sounds the same in so many ways but um but i think a lot of her lyrics and a lot of her songs um really talk about self-acceptance you know be who you are be proud of who you are accept who you are you don't need to be um any god different. loves you who whoever you are exactly as you are <laughs> Right. And, you know, exactly. So I, I think it's powerful. I think, you know, when, as you mentioned, or uh, I think maybe in the pre-show, when you talked about, you know, people were glad she didn't come out and was all like protesting or in a protesting kind of way, you know, that she sang the song Born This Way. That is a protest song in and of itself. You know, I mean, it's, it's saying, uh, what's the line? God doesn't make any mistakes. And, you know, you know, a lot of mainstream, not a lot of mainstream, more on the evangelical side of Christianity, you know, with the uh, um, the when it comes to things like homosexuality talks about, you know, that underlying message of, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin, which, right. is, you know, uh, kind of a we'll accept you as you are because we love you, but we don't love what you're doing, which is basically saying we we don't love you, <laughs> you know, you can, you know, that's that, right. That, that kind that, of thing. Yeah. And that actually, God doesn't love you the way you're created. Right. They're saying there's something wrong with you're you. a mistake. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. so, so to have a song out there that simply says, no, you're, you're not a mistake that, that who you are is perfect, you know, and, and, and how you were created. I think that's a powerful message. Totally. I agree. And I, I don't see her as supporting a religion. I see her as supporting a personal relationship with God, whatever that looks like to you. Right. You know what I mean? But, but, the, uh, but the issue with that to counterpoint is for some religions, that's not okay. Like it, it has to, you know, there's there for, for, for their belief system, it's you have to do this or not do this. this it's not blanket acceptance it's not the original i understand ogan but i don't think a lot of those people are liking her to begin with i mean look at some of her outfit like they they disagree with a lot more than just her beliefs <laughs> oh i agree but a lot of them were watching the super bowl on sunday a lot of them were watching the super bowl on sunday because you know football equals america equals you know god i'm sorry did you see that eye roll i i did i did see the eye roll <laughs> So what do you think, so you mentioned her song Born This Way, which uh, in the article in the post said it's, a, it's the hymn for LGBT Christians that is sorely missing from your average church hymnal. I like that line. Um, she said in the song, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. How do you think a uh, traditional evangelical would read that or how would they uh, react or critique that? Um, so as a person who was once an evangelical Christian, I would have issue with that. Uh, because if you'd read me that line, you know, from like 42, 25 years ago, yeah. I would have said, no, being, I would have said, no, being gay is a mistake. I would have said, you know, here are all these other things that are sins against God. So, um, and it's not that God made the mistake. God didn't make the mistake. You, the person, are making the mistake by doing these things. 
right. where I am, you know, where I am is like, no, no, there, there are some things that, you know, we will label as choices, but there really aren't choices. It's, it's who you are being, being, being gay is being transgender. It's not a choice. It's who you are. And now we have biology and science to support these things. Yeah. Talk about the broader notion of the line where she says, I'm on the right track, baby. Uh, you know, this whole idea of being on the path uh, that, of course, many religious traditions hold, uh, but Christianity, at least certain versions of Christianity, have a very specific notion of what being on the right path is. And for her just to say, hey, I'm, God doesn't make mistakes. I'm, I'm great the way I'm born. I can see some people uh, saying, I'm not so sure about that. And not just because she's gay, right? I think they would just say humanity in general is all on the wrong track. And the only way to get on the right track is it's to, for everybody to convert into big Christians. Yeah, to come to this relationship with Jesus uh, in a specific way. Well, I think you, you kind of answered the question there. Any, any track or path that brings you into a closer relationship understanding of God is the right one. I don't think there's any specific one. No one, no one, no one ultimately holds the. This is um, you talking now. What do you mean? Yeah, not the 25 years ago, Ogan, that we don't recognize. I'm saying, you're, give, I'm saying you're giving <laughs> us your current view. Yeah, I'm giving. Yes, I'm giving you my current view. Yes, yeah, you're, you're back. Yeah, good. I'm back. <laughs> that was a little scary, Ogan. I can't even imagine. I, I knowing you now, I I can't imagine you being like that. I uh, hey you. you I don't imagine me being like that too, but I mean, I, I it'd be I, awesome if we could go back twenty years know. and have our our twenty year younger uh, selves do the show. It was kind of scary. I was a kid <laughs> in college with all with the with with the like the crazy Christian T shirts on, like you I know, can see it. See, it I'm cool crazy. with that. I just no. that no, judgmental no, side. Don't understand. There was one, I remember this one I wore, it was like Jesus on the cross and it was all like bloody and gory and it was like, Jesus died for your sins. Oh, kind wow. Of, oh yeah, it was bad. Yeah, you, you, hey, listen, man, you were, <laughs> you were out there for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, here's the Not Jesus. out, not out for Jesus, out there. Not out for, for Jesus. Jesus, out there for Jesus, yeah. Um, but, but to your, what was your question again? I forgot. <laughs> well, this question about uh, this, you know, sort of her just saying just just by being me i'm on the right track oh gotcha gotcha so so what i was saying yes any i think that anytime anyone chooses to say i want to have a deeper spiritual experience i want to connect with god i want to connect with divinity i want i think any way they get to that whether it's through any religion any spiritual practice I think it's on the right track. Anytime I used to say, uh, not used to say, still say, um, if you want to know God, know yourself, like really know yourself, dive in deep because you're an individualized expression of God. So dive in deep, know yourself more. You're going to know God more. So who you are is, is the starting point for that. And any religion, any theology, any spiritual practice is kind of like a tool, a guidance point, a map to get you there. It isn't the thing, it's it's getting you there. And at some point, you know, it's going to get you to a point where uh, you got to let go of those two. Those will ultimately um, at some point fail you, not fail, but they can only take you so far because nothing 
totally explains, accounts for, defines the limitlessness that is God, that is divinity. So, you know, they're just getting you to a deep place and then whoosh, there, there you go. So there, there's no wrong way to get there. See, now I have this vision of you 25 years ago being just as adamant about what you believed back then as you are now, like so certain it, about it. It was a thing to be told. I gotta, I gotta tell you. But now you're certain about this. <laughs> not, not, no, no. So yes, I am. Oh. I am. I am certain about this, but I'm also um, um, releasing any certainty because because certainty is the thing that destroys us. You know, you you, you gotta you gotta say you, you gotta make room for the unknown of things. You can't stagnate uh, about yeah. anything. So live in the question. Yeah. But you're, you're much more open to the possibilities of there being diverse spiritual paths and uh, different starting points for people to engage their spiritual lives. And I think you're not alone there. You said, And you said that knowing yourself can be a way to know God. And I was, uh, I was reading a little bit about that recently as well. And there was this Jewish commentator, Nachmanides, who said almost what you said, that uh, if you want to know God, Look inward, know yourself. And I think a lot of the great mystics in Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and some other religious traditions have have done that sort of inward turn. And I would say, well, what would you say to someone who says that just feels like a narcissistic gospel or a gospel that's of, you know, um, as the Post said about Lady Gaga, that's about self-acceptance and empowerment. That's just sort of a Dr. Phil kind of feel-good gospel. But is it very deep in the end? Well, uh, Jesus himself made a lot of I am statements. <laughs> you know, he was like, yeah. I am this, I am that, I am. Okay. Hey, hold I on, am, hold on. I am, I am, I am. You did, but he's the son of God. Uh -huh. We're all the sons of God. Come on. Well, I, I hear you, but I'm saying from somebody, from, from the perspective Brian just described, mm -hmm. they hold Jesus as not human like we are. So saying Jesus had I am statements, of course he did. He's God. We're not. Well, I, another level of divine. Right. But you know what? I, um, <laughs> I've said this before. Jesus was just as human as we are. Um, I agree with I that. I agree with you. That, I was just taking the other stance. <laughs> that's, that's, well, that's actually the very the orthodox position is that Jesus was fully human. Yeah, really? fully human, fully divine. I think I think many of us are. I not many of us, all of us are in some way, shape, or form because divinity is the essence of who we are, and we we're clothed in our humanity. Um, so we have this paradoxical duality going on. But you know, if you want to look at Jesus's humanity, I love I. So my favorite, I have I have two favorite examples to illustrate Jesus's humanity. One, his first miracle, turning water into wine. You know, again, let's look at what that is. Man showed exactly. up at a party. The wine's out, which means that the people yeah. got to be in a little bit of a tipsy shape. And what did he do? He gave them more. <laughs> party going. It's my favorite story, too. He <laughs> did. And, you know, it turns out their their Wink Wine Club order was stuck halfway between Rome <laughs> between Rome and Galilee. Exactly. So. It was at the FedEx station, and they had to go center. pick it up. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And and the other example I give is when he chased the money changers out of the temple. Um, not so much him getting angry, but in one of the virgins, it says he braided a whip and then chased them out. Now, when you think about that, 
you have to realize he was so angry and upset and seething, couldn't find an instrument of pain. So he goes and makes one. He goes and gets material. He goes. He had and, malicious intent. No, exactly. And braids a whip. Like like the process between getting angry and completion of this whip had to be a good half an hour. Because I mean, <laughs> I mean, least, you know, at least. At least the braid a whip to get the material, set up a little loom or find a little corner, braid this whip. loom. So this whole this whole time he is livid and angry and upset. He's cursing under his breath as he's exactly. And then he goes beats people. So I'm just saying he had his human moments like we all do. So 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 to um so yeah, so this is why I, I again I love I love Unity who refers to Jesus as not the exception, but the example that, that, yeah. that we can all we can all follow and aspire to, and realize just like he did, there are gonna be moments when we lose it. When we, you know, what would Jesus do? Yeah, turn, you know, upend the tables and rant for a little while or something. Yeah. He'd want to turn the other cheek, but sometimes he would lose it. <laughs> he want to turn oh, the other. <laughs> sometimes he'd turn the table. <laughs> Right. Sometimes you got to sit down and braid a whip and then actually use it. <laughs> what Tina is thinking of in the traditional view uh, is the traditional view is that Jesus is fully human, but he's also fully God and uniquely fully God. Right. And so a, a traditional uh, Orthodox view would take issue with what you just said, Ogan, in that Jesus is this unique uh, representation of God in human flesh, unique for all history. And that, in fact, he's not. Yeah, he's an example in some way, but more ultimately, he's actually the God of the universe here among us. And that's good news because we need God himself to show up to rescue us from our own brokenness and, and sin and all the rest. And my response to that is each of us is uniquely God showing up. There it is. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I think, I think there's a lot of uh, historical precedent in... Christian faith and other traditions to say what you're saying. Uh, but I think a lot of folks get queasy about that or uneasy because it feels like a... Yeah, and um, I get that. I, I, I was in that yeah. place too. And, and I think what we're witnessing, whether you want to call it political or not, um, with the protests, with, with, the, with the, you know, hashtag resistance and all the stuff that's happening now, is people up and in the tables? Is people braiding the whips? Is people saying, you know what, this is this is not, uh, you know, what what's happening in terms of these laws being, you know, executive orders and and stuff is not a reflection of uh, who most of us, not all of us, but who most of us uh, believe we've come to be in terms of. You know, like we disagree on a lot of things. We disagree on a lot of policy. We disagree on, you know, but but ultimately, I think the you know, so many of us in this country believe that that we've come to place to believe that yes, we who we are is okay. Uh, you know, we 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 seek justice. We seek equality. It's uh, we're 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 not in the 1950s and 60s anymore. We're we're in 2017. We're not going back. Sometimes you have to go back to get shot forward. So in light of our conversation about um, divinity and gospel and 
yeah, where does Jesus fit on that equation? Where do we fit on that equation? You know, a number of religious traditions, probably that all three of us are familiar with and spent some time in, have some certainties about those things and some things that they would say, well, this is true about Jesus or the Bible or human beings. And I came across this quote from uh, Bishop John Shelby Spong, and he says, true religion is not about possessing the truth. No religion does that. It is rather an invitation into a journey that leads one toward the mystery of God. And then he says, idolatry is religion pretending that it has all the answers. So wondering what you think about that. Do you like that? Would you push back a little? I like it. Um, no, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of that statement. It reminded me of the uh, finger pointing to the moon uh, metaphor analogy. You guys yep. remember this one? Tina has a furrowed. Brow. No, I don't remember it. Um, there's a I don't know remember if it's a Native American saying or not, but there's this it might be. Like, you know, um, the don't mistake the finger pointing to the moon for the moon itself, um, and 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 that's what. Yeah often like happens we, we lose track that all that you know any and all religions are are fingers pointing towards god they're they're, they're not the god themselves so you know pick one yeah and you could you know. and you could break that down further and say no um so or, or the same is true of any religious text uh, any scriptures uh so i think often the the bible is something that people confuse for God himself or God herself. Uh, and so they sort of put God, the Bible in God's place and say, well, we have the Bible, so we know what God is saying. And they make the Bible this elevated holy object that becomes the whole point of their religious faith, rather than seeing scripture as this pointer to right. divine truth, and which allows us to hold it a little bit more loosely and hold it in the proper context that yes it's this beautiful gift and it's saying true things about god and it's pointing us to a, a deeper way to live uh, leading us deeper into the mystery but to have this sort of um, concrete view and this is the thing and we can't deviate from it and this is the whole point and, and that isn't that what he's talking about brian that we're idolizing the bible instead of actually yeah, you become a bibliolatrist. You you worship the Bible more than God. You just make that word up. That's kind of cool if you did. <laughs> you like that? I wish I had. I, I, I like it. Didn't, did not make it up, but Seriously? when you worship when you yeah. worship the Bible, it's, it's called bibliolatry. Alternative <laughs> fact: Brian just made that word up. <laughs> I can't but claim ownership, but you know, if you want to credit me, you know. but you know what that is? Honestly, I I think I think that's because. Um, as uh, as human beings, we want to be right. What is the right thing? We have this intrinsic need to be right, and I think mm -hmm. grounded in that is a fear, is a fear of, you know, well, if we're not right about this, then what happens to us afterwards, you know, in the afterlife or whatever? I think a lot of it is is about being right, and ultimately, you know, God, God is not about right or wrong. There's, there's no rightness or wrongness uh, in essence, to God, there is, there is just God. But there's safety and comfort in being right, and that's what people seek. Sure, and and the flip side of that argument, then you know, is like you know, is is if there's no right or wrong, then then how can one ever really take a stand about anything? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you you know? feel ungrounded. It's a very ungrounded, unsafe feeling. Right. 
but that's the journey. That's that's the paradox of the journey of discovering God is, you know, for, for me, the, the whole paradox is we want we want an idea, a concept, uh, something, uh, an understanding about God to hold on to. But the paradox is the only way we can keep diving deeper into this experience of God is to let go and 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 get rid of all the 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 preconceived ideas that we're holding on to and it's only when we fully fully let go the surrender the kenosis the releasing it's only when we get there that we only just begin to scratch the surface of understanding that which is beyond understanding it's i mean this whole godic thing is this one giant paradox that we will never resolve while we're in, I believe, this human form. And then, you know, what happens after we die is up for anyone's guess. But that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, so, and you know, he says idolatry is religion pretending that it has all the answers. And that might be an extreme way of um, putting it. I think even the most conservative uh, religious approaches are fundamentalist. I don't know if they would if pressed, say, yeah, we have every single answer. Oh no, some of them but will. Some, some of them will. Some, some seem to. <laughs> some seem to act that way. But what about religion saying it has some answers? So, um, and uh, let me backtrack a little bit. Not just fundamentalists either. I think any uh, religion, any spiritual movement, are going to have your zealots that believe that that particular movement is the answer i mean we have this in unity too you know i i call i i call them unitics people who are you know like, <laughs> he didn't make that up either <laughs> no, that up. Yeah. you know who are like unity's view is the right one and everybody else especially fundamental christians are wrong um and and that is just as dangerous that is just as exclusionary and that is just forgetting that, yeah, that all paths are leading to 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 God. So so we so so, you know, I'll I'll throw throw us under the bus as well. We do that too, and we and we have and we have to remember that that no 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 like you said, no one exclusively has the the answer. You know, um, God is not Christian. God is not Buddhist. God is not. Uh, Muslim God is not Jew. God is God is beyond these um, attempts to define God. But we got to start somewhere, and I think that's what religions and spiritual practices are—a starting point, mm -hmm. a starting point, yeah, but not an ending point. Yeah, I mean, because you have to believe in something. Do you? Do. I mean, I and I don't. I don't mean like in a religious manner. I mean, you have to believe in something just to kind of identify with the world sure you, you can't you not believe in anything can't you <laughs> well we're due to have a, we're due to have another atheist on the show i think we could have some fun conversation about that but i think it's true that we are um, narrative beings and so um, whether you want to say we have to believe in something i think we all have stories that we live our lives by so even if you are more of a uh, materialist or physicalist uh, person who doesn't believe in any deity, 
you still have a narrative about, you know, the universe came into being through this big bang and certain materials and the atoms hit right. And, you know, yeah, exactly. the stars produced uh, the matter that eventually became life-based and we evolved from that. Um, I thought it was aliens. <laughs> that's hey, another, that's that another, story. <laughs> another, another story. And, you know, and, and so I think I incorporate some of that in my story as well, but I, tend to have a theological component to it. Um, so I, I think you're right. You know, some might quibble with saying the word believe, but certainly we all have a narrative or a story that we're operating our lives out of. You, mm -hmm. you have to. Yes. Yeah. And I think the journey is just continually changing and evolving those beliefs, not stagnating, but, but moving. Yes, that's right. That's right. Like, uh, what, what is it? Uh, evolve or die? Isn't that what? Yeah thing is evolve or die so what about this statement from mahatma gandhi who said god has no religion agreed is that yeah. is that related sure religion's man-made yep religion is our attempt to try to understand again what is beyond understanding it's well, well said mm -hmm. it's just it's just a again the finger it's it's the starting point it, it takes us deep within ourselves which is kind of you know the, the I think the reference point for trying to connect with divinity and then eventually we we let those go and just keep going deeper and and realize that in the going deeper there is no bottom like this does not bottom out at any point mm. you know and I think for a lot of folks that's 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 the issue that's terrifying to, right they want to get to a point where it's like yeah. I got it there's yes. no getting it. It, it. it it does not bottom out. So just enjoy the dive. <laughs> so when I was reading that quote, God has no religion, I had this uh, image of this cartoon I saw where uh, it shows a football player holding up a trophy and saying, thank you, Jesus. And then there's a, a shot of Jesus in heaven watching hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I like not, that. <laughs> not even into football. And so I, I had this vision of, you know, we say God has no religion, and I, you know, you think of the three monotheistic religions, and you think of other major religious traditions, and it'd be hilarious if, you know, we we suddenly find out that God has some religion none of us have ever heard of, and he's <laughs> he's doing this other thing that we're all off on this other stuff. Sure that we have God sort of, you know, figured out, and God's doing something completely different. And he's like, what is wrong with all of you? I've given you all the signs. I've given you the playbook. <laughs> You're looking at the wrong one. <laughs> it would be funny, Brian. Yeah. Big joke on humanity. Exactly. Exactly. Man. You got you got a topic we can all do like a one line or two? <laughs> well, all right. I mean, actually, this sort of does fit. So um, this was a year ago. Uh, Pope Francis, uh, and this may have come up last week with our conversation with David Hayward, but Pope Francis said, a person who thinks only about building walls wherever they may be and not building bridges is not Christian. This is not the gospel. And of course, we know who he was referencing. This was during the campaign at the time. And so do you agree with that? Uh, is it anti-gospel or anti-Christian to be in a place of building walls instead of bridges? Um, I, I think that ends up being, the answer to that depends on what your definition of being Christian is. Mm -hmm. you, you know, because there are many, many, there have always been 
from the day Christianity started, there've always been many different interpretations, outpicturings of Christianity. You know, we think there are a lot of, you know, Christian, you know, segments now. You know, back in first, second century, there were even more ways of, uh, you know, what Christianity was defined by. Um, so, so in in that statement, he's kind of, I think, condensing Christianity into one thing. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but if we condense it into Christianity as, you know, the the teachings, trying to emulate, live the teachings of Jesus and the way Jesus lived. Um, I think it was both building bridges and building walls, to be honest. So, so Jesus connected with everyone. He did, uh, you know, say, you know, the good Samaritan was a perfect example of him saying, uh, trying to build a bridge or in terms of removing a wall. But at the same time, he did, you know, had very harsh things to say to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Romans, you know, and, and this is the paradox of Jesus, you know, you know, decrying, you know, Romans and occupation at the same time, healing the centurion's slave or, or in some other version, I think the centurion's daughter, you know, uh, uh, calling the the scribes and Pharisees hypocrites and, and, and all matter of insults. And at the same time, you know, you know, meeting with Nicodemus and, and and having a conversation. I mean, Jesus' entire life was a paradox, and and is and and this is one of the complex things. about when you read his his teachings, but I think ultimately, I go back to the statement he Jesus made. You know, when asked what is the greatest commandment, and he boiled down boiled it down to two: love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And for me, loving your neighbor implies bridge building, mm. not wall building. No doubt, no doubt. And I think often when he was in that sort of critique mode, it was on behalf of people who had had walls built against them or yes. people who were in a position of privilege and power where they could use that leverage to harm people. So that's why I think he was so harsh to the religious leaders of their time because they had that power to say you're you're in or you're excluded and they were building uh, walls for all intents and purposes around who is welcome at the temple or the synagogue and so even when Jesus seemed to be harsh I don't know I don't see it as much of a paradox as him saying being consistent about being inclusive towards those on the underside those being excluded and if you're going to get in the way of them or be a part of that, then yeah, I'm going to have some harsh words. Yeah, I mean, but, you got you got you got to call out people. You got to you got to call folks out. And and again, the paradox is, yeah, we're calling folks out, but Jesus also said, "Don't take the yeah. you know, speck out of your brother's eye before you log out of your own." No, you're right. Yep. You know, so it's it's always this uh, not duality, but this paradox as as well, and. And yep. and accountability, and it's such uh, you know you know the other uh, what is it the the gate the gate is narrow not wide remind me of that whole passage. Uh, um, why uh, let's see, wide is wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate to narrow is the gate that leads to life. Exactly, and 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 you know how I interpret that is, 
it is it is very difficult to walk in that paradox of of holding others and yourself accountable at the same time you know taking the log out of your own eye but then calling out the scribes and pharisees and you know you know we read the stories in the gospels and he kind of you know he kind of walked that line pretty well um and again i think that's what what, what we're doing here in response hmm. to this administration we're you know we're, we're we're calling this out and at the same time you know not to get political but but folks like the democratic party and the progressives are asking themselves you know they're beginning to ask that question what did we do wrong that we've got ourselves in this situation you yeah. know so there's a measure of accountability trying to to work its way in as well yeah and this we had this conversation last week where someone said you can't speak out against the um you know the so-called muslim ban unless you're willing to take a bunch of homeless people into your home and we all said, ah, I don't know about that. But I think what the person was trying to hint at was that there should be some integrity in our lives that even as we're calling out someone or something about something, we also need to be looking inward and saying, are there ways that I'm actually contributing to exclusion and to leaving people out? And am I working on those own issues in my own heart, in my own community, in some real ways, as I'm also calling out others to... Uh, yeah, in, you know, Brian, I, I saw I saw a um, post that said something like that, too. Like, you know, we shouldn't be help, helping the Syrian children while we have homeless in our own streets. And, you know, I'm sitting homeless children in our own streets. I'm sitting there thinking, OK, but are you out hope, helping those homeless children in the streets or are you just complaining about it? Yeah, it can be a convenient foil for, well, we don't like what you're saying politically, so we're just Well, I'm not help. helping the people in my own country, so I'm not going to help people in yours. That's how I'm taking that. Yeah, that, that feels like a weak argument to me. It is, it is, it is a complex issue, and, but, but there is some truth to that. There is some truth to that in that we have you know, thousands and thousands of people marching you know, when, this, when this ban was announced and saying we're not a country who turns people away. We're the country that people come to for help because we are the country of abundance and prosperity. And yes, where are we with the helping those who are in our towns and our cities who are not experiencing that abundance and prosperity? Now, I don't, th I don't think the response is we don't help others from other countries until we help those in our town. I think the response is, oh, let's help them both. Exactly. We can, we can do a both and. It doesn't have to be either or. <laughs> Absolutely right. Both and. I agree with that. I agree with that. That feels like our final word of wisdom, you know? Both and. Both and. And uh, as Lady Gaga said, uh, I'm on the right track, baby. I was there born this go. way. I'm so happy I'm back. I missed you guys. This was fun. <laughs> we missed you too. Again. It's great to have you back, and it's great to have all of you tuning in. Thanks for listening to Pub Theology Live. And, you know, don't forget whenever you're kind of missing us, uh, you know, cue us up on your favorite podcast app, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or what have you. And you can hear Tina, Ogan, and Brian uh, anytime. So, Please do. And if you want to find a conversation like this happening in your town, please check out the directory at pubtheology.com. Or, or if you want to start one in your town that doesn't come, yes. you can do it too. 
Absolutely. If you want to start a conversation like this, because we need to be having these conversations and people need a safe space to um, to explore their faith and these issues. So get to it, friends. And thanks again to our sponsors, Craft Beer Cellar, who you'll find at craftbeercellar.com. That's C-E-L-L-A-R. And Wink Wine Club at trywink.com slash live. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. So, um, so that last question, which we didn't get to, but I think we should we should kind of hit and let people know we hit it was about the um, the self care question. Physical, what are we doing? Yeah. Physical, yeah. mental health. Because one of the one of the things that I think is really kind of dangerous right now is um, people burning out from this like huge energy of protest and resistance initially. Yeah. Um, and and we got an administration an administration that that is likely gonna be in charge for four years you know i came back from vacation and there was like a long list of uh messages from my congregants who are like let's do this let's do this we should do this <laughs> like yeah. like you know there's like this they're ready whole, they're, they're right this whole laundry list of what we should be doing right now and my response to them was like you know what what you i i'm encouraging you as individuals go do your thing like go call your congressman go march go protest go you know go do what you feel called to do now as a community however like let's let's and to some respects as an individual let's take a breath and let's for, make a plan let's <laughs> make a plan and yeah. you know there is so much going on out there let's 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 decide. You know what is the one, two, three, four issues that we're really going to be the voice for, and respond to those. And yes, along the way, take care of yourselves because this is gonna be a long haul. So you know, let's let's not fatigue ourselves out. You know, in the first two three weeks um, of stuff. So yeah, it's it's really okay. it's. Yeah, it's it's a good thing, and we got to go in shifts. So let a bunch of people do some stuff for the first three months, and then the rest of us, like, you yeah, know, I like it. I like it. Start started a little a little bit, kind of kind of later on, but I think the anxiety. So so here's my question for you, Mike. The uh, a lot of this is a uh, a lot of anxiety around what people think might happen, as opposed to what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. It, you know. Where, where do we draw that line between let's protest, object to put up resistance to what's happening and what might happen? And the context for that is, so we have this Muslim ban and many of us are kind of like removed from that. Here I am. I, I have a green card. I'm not a citizen here. And I'm from Barbados, so I am not in any way, shape or form. Are you not, You're a, not citizen? a citizen? Do I know this? We've talked about this before, for the love no, of God. No, apparently we haven't, Ogan, because yeah. neither of us knew it. I oh. just want to say, what kind of vetting have we been doing on this show? <laughs> I know. 
Where's HR? <laughs> Where's Homeland Security? That's 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 definitely going in the uh the open. <laughs> if you edit that, that's that's the that's the piece for the opening. Oh my gosh. Not totally. extreme enough, apparently. They let me in. Um <laughs> The uh, no, I'm I'm a permanent resident. I have a green card. I'm not a citizen. Okay, and when we were in Barbados and this thing, you know, this 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 ban got instituted, Joy actually said to me, "Okay, I wasn't like really freaking out about this before, but like, is this gonna affect you? Do I need to worry about when we fly back home?" And I said, "No, we don't need to worry because I'm not, you know, I'm." A, I'm not from a country that's predominantly Muslim. I'm not even one of these insanely listed countries because there's no correlation as to why these countries might be listed. But, you know, I don't need to worry. But at the same point in time, you know, I'm from yeah. the Caribbean. There are Caribbean countries that are, you know, have large Muslim populations, um, people, you know, people who follow Islam. And and where where do we make the stand or the draw the line? Because... You know, sure, this ban is affecting Muslims right now. Who's going to be next? And I don't want to be alarmist. I don't want to come from a place of fear. But when we look back at, you know, how the Nazi party came to power, which is the easy comparison, this is what happened. It was kind of like just one. Drumming up fear. and That of people. And then it kept on. You know what I'm saying? So what point ring the alarmist bell? Yeah, like, why are we so worried about the Islamic extremists, the Muslim extremists, and we're not worried about our own Christian extremists? I mean, we we have had more deaths, and I'm not saying they're Christian. I'm just saying. Um, we've had more deaths in this country from white males who are 25 to 45 serial killers. Oh, you know what? You're hitting the Seriously, nail. Seriously, of course. You're, no, that there was a propo- there is a proposal that's being put forward to shift. Uh, I forget what it's called. I remember the act, the the initial is CVE, but I think it's um, how they how they uh, keep an eye on extremists. And the 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 current administration is saying we want that they want to propose that we just focus on Muslim based stuff. Yes, they not- they didn't they already pass that. I don't know if it did or not. I remember the proposal oh was gosh. out there. So basically, saying yeah, we not is that gonna- based on fact. We're not going to keep an eye on, like, you know, white supremacists here in this country who have been documented with with perpetrating more acts of of, of terror internally. Yeah, you know, exactly. we just focus on Muslims. So so when that happened, that was the moment that me as a black immigrant started going, whoa, like, like, you know, you know, now now I'm starting to feel uneasy because if you're not keeping an eye on the white supremacists, at some point, yeah. that's gonna might gonna affect me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, Seriously. Wait, you know, and it, and it shows you that this whole talk of we're just against terrorism and not against any religion or any race is a bunch of BS. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is underneath it. It ha- It is. It, it 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 is it is and um so so honestly that's that's the challenge that i am facing as a minister in the pulpit right now is how do i you know what is the message that i say to people that um inspires them into love-based activism you know equality justice-based activism yeah. but not fear-driven activism because i don't want people to be driven by the fear of 
of what might potentially happen, but it's it's scary. It is scary. It is scary. And good word that uh, we need to we need to go in shifts. We need to do self care. We need to be ready for the long haul. 